and welcome to this week's edition of Calder's Calling, AHL News Now's flagship podcast and your premier podcast destination for everything surrounding the American Hockey League. For those of you who listened, subscribed, and downloaded our first ep- or our first and second episodes, we thank you. This is episode number three. Uh, for those of you who are just joining us, we welcome you to this podcast. Invite you to check out the past episodes. Uh, we had a couple good interviews, uh, like with Scott Housen for the first episode, president of the AHL. Uh, we are available visually on YouTube, on Spotify with just audio, and anywhere else you could think of to find your podcasts. In the next half hour, give or take, we invite you to join us as we dive deep into the heart and soul of the AHL, where future NHL stars are born and the passion for hockey runs as deep as the ice itself. But before we get started, I'd like to thank the show's sponsor, Document Doctors. While not on the ice, they can help you and your business optimize and increase your revenue and profits to a bigger slice. Check out Document Doctors Inc. LLC, I should say, dot com. And don't forget to mention that AHL News Now sent you to them. Uh, this week, we are missing Jay this week. So it is just myself, Dina, and Xander this week. So guys, how are you? And um, what a great another week of AHL hockey we have on tap here to talk about. Absolutely. And we've got an amazing special guest coming up later in the show that I can't wait to talk to. It's going to be a super exciting show. Definitely going to be an exciting interview. That's for sure. Not going to spoil anything for you, but you'll be you'll yeah. be pretty happy when you hear it. You'll be hopping Absolutely. with delight. Possibly from down under, possibly too. I had well, a horrible pun and it went right over your head. <laughs> it was bad, though. I fully admit that. I, I like bad puns, but I guess I didn't get it in time. Hopping, so that, that's on me. Hopping. Oh, jeez. Hopping kangaroos. Oh, jeez. It was. It was bad. It was I, bad. I'm done. I'm done. He I'm left ashamed, three. I'm ashamed of myself for not getting that. He lasted three episodes, ladies and gentlemen. I, I never said <laughs> I was. I never said I was quitting. I'm just saying I'm done trying to understand <laughs> jokes. Or I thought you were done with me. I'm like, oh, that you oh, no. lasted that long. I'm impressed. <laughs> oh no, I'm not done yet with that. No, <laughs> I en- I enjoy your company too much to be done, Dina. Aw, thank you. Well, I guess we'll move us along here to some quick hits. Not that we aren't hard hitting enough on this podcast, but you know we're gonna go with some quick hits as hard into the boards as the players themselves here. And uh, Dina, I think you'll probably want to tee us off with a affiliation extension. Yes, it was announced on opening. Well, their home opening night last week, but the Cleveland Monsters and the Columbus Blue Jackets have announced a long-term extension. I've seen it reported in a few different places that it's rumored to be lasting through the 2029-2030 season. Now, they first became affiliates in the 2015-2016 season, which, uh, Corey, I'm sorry to rub it in, but that was also their Calder Cup winning season. And yeah, very exciting that I-71 um, talent pipeline is alive and strong and will be again for the foreseeable future. Well, hey, I have, we have the Calder Cup for this year. So, you know, that helps to, you know, 
possibly staunch the wound just a little bit there, but still, oh, still a memory all nonetheless, but great to see that that affiliation is still going strong here, but we do have another great stat to get to. It is a first goalie goal of the season. Strauss man of the Laval rocket was, I believe credited with this goal. I don't believe that it's your traditional Ron Heck style style flip, but we're going to put this one on screen here and talk about it a little bit. Uh, but it's great to see the goalie going down the fist bump line along the bench there. It's always a great sign that, you know, something incredible has happened here. But don't believe it's your traditional shot here, of course. When was the last goalie goal other than that? Was that Hofer for the Thunderbirds, perhaps? Possibly. I don't, I don't think we've had – did we have one last season? I don't think that we did. Oh, yeah, we did. We did. We uh, did? Oh, yeah. You just had to kill my thunder. <laughs> I can't remember, honestly. So I'm going to run to the AHL.com slash goalie stats. Or sorry, uh. stats slash goalie dash stats. So thank you so much. They are, it's really helpful to get um, quick information that way. We actually had two goalie goals in the American Hockey League that last season. Uh, Pyotr Kachekov with the Chicago Wolves, and then uh. Jesper Wallstedt, a rookie with the Iowa Wild, each with one goal. The former, I'm not surprised by. Kachekov can do it all. So um, just to bring Joel Hofer back into the uh, conversation, he did tie with Yaroslav Askarov of the Milwaukee Admirals for most assists among goalies last season. There we go. Some positive to come out of that. Yeah, and quite a few goalies are – well, we have three goalies that have assists so far this season too. So there you go. The goalies come working on the score sheet. Hey, and they're working on passing. I like it. Yeah. I mean, but to go back to this goal, though, it's just, it's the funniest thing because it's just, you know, Strauss man scrambling, making the save. And then somehow he gets the puck and Rochester goes to, or not Rochester, sorry. Laval goes to like clear it and it gets through everybody. So because he made the save, he was the last Laval player to touch it, so that's why he got the goal. So it's not your traditional goalie goal, but funniest part about is that goal. Yeah. Oh, okay, that makes a lot more sense to me now. Yeah, it's it basically own goal. Kind of embarrassing, but but the funny part about those goalie goals is that, like you know, despite the fact that it's an own goal, it's so strange like that. Every player on the ice kind of knows that, right? Like, they all kind of are aware that, hey, the goalie was the last one. Like, you know, it's not a surprise to anybody, but, you know, everybody's loving it. That's for sure. Yeah, anytime the goalie gets on the score sheet, it's something special. Absolutely. And I think there was a, speaking of milestones, a special one for the Springfield Thunderbirds on Saturday. Xander, do you have more on that one? Yes, on Saturday, for the first time in team history, two brothers skated together in the same game, Sam Bitten and Will Bitten. Of course, Will Bitten's been with the team for a year or two or three. I've lost track at this point with the squad. But Sam Bitten making his professional debut this year, and it was the first time two brothers have skated together in the same game. 
That's so cool. I remember seeing that for preseason with the St. Louis Blues that they got to kind of do the same thing up top there, but making it official at the AHL is even better, honestly, too. Not the results that Springfield was looking for exactly on Saturday, but... They had something special to celebrate. Exactly. They they have something that's... It's a silver lining, is how I'll put it. It is. Absolutely. Speaking of other random stats, the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins have a cumulative score of 0-0 to in the opening period of all four games of their season so far. I just want to know how long that's going to last. I also want to know how you guys interpret that. To me, I interpret it as a good stat, that they're not allowing goals. This is a, there's a good side to it. They're not allowing goals. And but they're not they're also not getting ahead of themselves and trying to put too much effort too early. It's it also a win the- some, you lose some type of stat. Exactly. And it's a very unsustainable stat. Someone yeah. on either side's going to break that. I just want to know how long it's gonna take. My bias tells me that Hershey might have something to say about that the day this podcast goes live on Wednesday when they make their first trip to Mohegan Sun Arena. But that's the bias in me that's talking. But what that stat tells me is that if you're a fan and you're coming and you're a little bit late, stop and go get some snacks, get your food, get stuff in bef- during the first period. You're not missing that much, you know, unless you're a good fan of defensive hockey, as, you know, I believe the three of us are and our esteemed yes. viewers would be as well. But for, you know, the, that fan, you know, they can take their time getting to their seats, it seems like, there, if that stat continues. Unless you're a huge fan of the goaltender, then get there early. That's true. Get that, your seat, me. get comfortable. I mean, I try to get to games early anyways, but I would oh, get I'm, there extra early to watch that. I'm definitely a go watch warm up, get there like right when the doors open type of person. Oh, same here. I get, I go when the doors open, honestly. It's uh it's get there as soon as possible kind of stat for me. I'm also the person that whenever I'm showing up as media and they say, okay, doors open 90 minutes before puck drop for media, I'm there 90 minutes early because I also like my half hour of just sitting there listening to the Zamboni, listening to the ushers do their thing. And it's just so quiet. It's like, okay, I can zen after the two hour drive. That's a hike and a half. Speaking of hikes, the Hershey Bears were in Bridgeport on Sunday, wrapping up a set of three games in as many days and quite the trip there. But there's a trio of milestones for forward Mike Scarbosa, who is skating in his 600th professional game. And he tallied the overtime game winner for the Bears. And we'd show you the clip here, but... uh, it's just an odd goal. I mean, he just kind of puts it towards the net. It was more of a pass than a shot that, you know, somehow clipped in off a pad. But when it's your 600th professional game, you are entitled to getting that kind of play to work in your favor, honestly. So ends up being the overtime game winner. And it also happens to be his 200th point as a Hershey Bear. So all the milestones kind of, you know, collide at once. The stars align for a number of, uh, of milestones there. So congrats to... Scarbosa, who's you know now been with the Bears for the better part of five seasons now, I believe five or six at least that I can think of. So it's it's wild to consider that, but it's extends his point streak to four games too. So a uh, little bit of everything in that goal for Mike Scarbosa. 
I mean, just a solid piece for that Hershey team. Always seems to have been, you know, a nice fallback guy that you can depend on. And uh, he is currently, I love, I don't know why I'm getting into such a stats kick this year. Normally, I'm not a numbers person. This season, I'm trying to learn to love it. Um, but he is currently tied with Ethan Frank for 21st in the league for points so far this season. Yeah, it's been a there you go. It's been a nice fit. I mean, it's good to have him and Frank and Mike Vecchioni back for at least this season. In Frank's case, you know, it's just one year contract, but for the other two, it's two years. And so, you know, it's kind of it's surprising to kind of think of that. You know, that's really the only intact line in its entirety that they have from their championship season. So it's it's really great to have them to kind of help set the tone for the Bears this season and kind of have that reliability factor that like, hey, if this line's not going to work out, you know, this line has been more than capable of carrying the mail for the Bears as they did all weekend, essentially. So um, it's great to have those guys back as sort of the, you know, the top dogs for good reason there, for sure. Well, it's also nice to just have people back in general in the AHL because I feel like when you have those people that, perform at the top level the the season before the parent club says okay you're coming on up you're joining us next year but i guess in the capitals case there's just too much depth up there where they said you know what just wait your turn hold your horses you'll be up here before you know it yeah the capitals have the wealth of options you know they they were able to take up a couple of guys alexi protus connor mcmichael um, you know, even guys like Lucas Johansson went up this over this past season, you know, uh, we got to have a nice little part of the ceremony for opening night was presenting them with their rings in the Bears team suite type of thing, you know, rather than on the ice, which is kind of the odd caveat to the whole thing. Right. So it's been great to sort of, you know, have that consistency of those guys. And, you know, the Capitals especially are just absolutely loaded with quality guys that, you know, they could plug into their lineup if they need to. And, you know, they're all, it's all luxury that Spencer Carberry, the new head coach who coached in Hershey for a few years, happens to know most of them, too, including Scarbosa. Uh, so, you know, it's been a, a very nice, you know, not only composition in terms of veterans, but they also have a ton of great prospects and rookies in the system right now, too. And speaking of milestones, we were just talking about milestones for the Bears. Xander, I've heard that there was a milestone in Hartford over this past weekend. Yes, Hartford played in their thousandth, or not, there wasn't their thousandth game, but they picked up their thousandth win in team history. And if that doesn't show you how long that team has been around, I don't know what does. And much to my happiness, it was over the Lehigh Valley Phantoms, unfortunately for you, Corey. I'm sorry. But it it makes them the ninth team in AHL history to reach this milestone, and this Hartford team is insanely good. I was grappling with whether to talk about them or to talk about what I am going to be talking about, but they have two very good goalies. And I don't mean marginally good, like they're getting by, like good AHL goalies. I mean insanely good. They have scored 16 goals themselves. They have allowed four. Not not four for one goalie two each per goalie. And to me, that's just, it's beautiful. I know I use that word every week, but it's 
And how better to do it by score winning five to one on a Saturday night too. For the stats fans among the listeners here, uh, they uh, currently Louis Domingue and Dylan Garand are when you consider goals against average, they are two of the top three goaltenders. Domingue, number one, has a .96 goals against average to start the season through two games. Dylan Garand, also two games, a 1.01. In between them, Hugo Alnafelt from the Syracuse Crunch with a 1.00. Another, another real question now with Rangers fans is, who gets called up first? And the real my answer to that question is neither. They're unfortunately they're going to be staying there unless Jonathan Quick or Igor Shosturkin gets hurt. They just have so much depth at goaltending that I I talked to um, Chris Knobloch before the season and to see if I could get some sort of insight into the goaltending situation in New York, and he said, "I, I don't know. I don't know what's going to be coming out of this." because there's too many good goaltenders. And then I talked to him about Olaf Lindbaum as well, who's also a very good goaltender for the, in the Rangers organization. He said, yeah, Olaf's a very good goaltender as well. So they're stacked tenfold in the Rangers organization when it comes to goaltenders. And Hartford's kind of a team on the rise recently, right? Like they've been really, you know, pushing from, you know, this kind of, team with a lot of potential that was never realized to, you know, moving along pretty well in the postseason. Um, you know, just last spring, they unfortunately kind of ran into a hot Hershey team, all that kind of stuff. But, you know, they're one of the teams, in my opinion, really to watch just from having seen a couple of things uh, for them here. And it's been pretty good. But shifting along here, the Bakersfield Condors made a big acquisition over the course of the week. Uh, Dina, do you have any more to elaborate on that one? Yeah, they are going to be benefiting from the signing of a veteran with plenty of professional hockey experience in Sam Gagne. Now, he was originally the sixth overall draft pick by the Edmonton Oilers back in the 2007 NHL entry draft. He's played 1,015 games just in the NHL. He's also bringing along 56 games of AHL experience, including some with Bakersfield, to this club. Now, this is an AHL only contract, so there's no risk of him being called up. So, for such a young team that in some seasons does tend to struggle a little bit, I mean, that type of move is just very smart, in my opinion, especially since he was willing to accept that deal. So, great move by the Bakersfield Condors, and maybe that might be the difference maker here. That might be the death of Jay this season and the Barracuda. Well, I mean, I'm so used to kind of dogging on the Barracuda because it's just like, it just seems like that's what tends to happen some seasons. They're actually not doing too, too shabby this season. So we'll, we'll see. It's, they're only four games in, but Bakersfield needed a difference maker. They're one in one through two games and, yeah, they definitely needed some help. They're five goals for, five goals against. Yes, Sam should be a nice piece for that. He can make plays. He can score goals when he needs to. 
It's a good Anytime thing. you can get a guy with that kind of resume at the AHL level, I think that's just, you know, an absolute, like, no-brainer yes kind of situation to, to say yes to. So it's great to see. Now, before we move on to our three stars of the week, we will give props to the two undefeated teams as of the recording of this podcast, which is the aforementioned Hartford Wolfpack, as well as the Henderson Silver Knights. I believe if I'm, I know the Wolfpack are off to a, I believe six and O start as of our recording here. And I just want to double check my stats here. Henderson is four and O. Yes, they are both four and O. Four and O. I'm sorry. I was, I don't know where I got that from. (laughs) All good. Yeah. um, At the rate they're going, they'll be six and O soon. (laughs) And Henderson plays tonight, uh, Tuesday. So, but it's against Bakersfield. I think they're probably got this one in the bag, but you never know. So as of recording, this is an accurate stat. Who knows? We're looking at the Sam Gagne game, possibly. But hey, well, let's move right along into our three stars of the week, where each of us will pick uh, you know, one player to highlight here. So Dina, take it away. So I'm going to give a shout out to the Rochester Americans and Yuri Kulik. I've talked about him on this podcast. I've talked about him on other podcasts that I've been on. But how is this for a week for you? Back to back overtime game winning goals and a hat trick, you know, just because that wasn't impressive enough. But Yuri Kulik is one of the very young uh, prospects for um, in that Buffalo Sabres system. So, but yeah, we're taking a quick look at Yuri Kulik's goals here. I mean, this one we're seeing right here is a nice, you know, two on one, nice slide across a sprawling Laval defenseman. And yeah, sunk it right in. So he is my star for the last week. I mean, that, that Buffalo organization is just ripe with young talent. So, and he just adds to it. And I'm going to go out on the limb here and say they're actually going to be good in a few years. I, oh, yeah. It, I mean, they definitely are going to be good, but I mean, their ceiling is pretty high. Yeah. I mean, you've got players like him. Peyton Krebs, Owen Power, and these are just the ones coming off the top of my head. I mean, they've you still got Rasmus Dahlin that they just locked up. Yeah, the pipeline looks to be very stacked in Buffalo, and it'll be nice to see that team return to a bit of of a resurgence here. But for now, let's just enjoy the play of the Rochester Americans. Not to mention the new Ryan Miller and Devin Levi. Oh, my I did not like watching him in college as a UMass fan facing Northeastern. That was not fun. Well, I guess we'll move it along here. Xander, who's your pick for one one of the stars of this week? So my first star, well, I'll start on a happy note. I, I could really pick either Hartford goalie. I really could go either way, but so either one of them really fits my number one star because I'm, as Dina knows and you know, I'm a sucker for the goalies, and I just, I'm blown away and very surprised by the way that they're playing this season so far, both under 
What was it all under 1.5 goals against average so far this season? And I can't wait to see what that blossoms into this season. My other star this week, I know you're going to like hearing this one, Corey. Ollie, 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 Ollie like sell. He had an insane weekend, five goals in three games, four of them coming against my Thunderbirds. So I have to give credit where credit is due. And three of them coming on Friday night. It That was an incredible game that he played in Springfield. And he not only was he scoring goals, he was scoring goals from areas where he had no business scoring goals. He was picking up loose pucks. He was wristing pucks over the shoulder from two inches away from the net. And he's definitely going to be someone that I'm going to be looking for this season. Yeah, it's easy to see with someone like like Sell. You know, the Philadelphia organization is ripe for, you know, getting NHL opportunities starting in Lehigh Valley. You know, kind of been seeing it a little bit recently where, you know, there's kind of opportunity to put your head down, seize the opportunity at the AHL level and kind of stand out a little bit early on versus, you know, if you're maybe not happy to be there, you know, one of the last cuts type of thing. It might, you know, it's sometimes a little bit discouraging. Ollie Lykesell is one guy that seems to have taken that kind of, you know, proving ground opportunity, and he's really run with it so far. And it's to Lehigh Valley's benefit. They've had a pretty solid start here so far to the season. And usually I look at Lehigh Valley and I look at them as like a funnel system too, Philly, but I don't see him being one that's funneled right to the NHL. I see him being one that stays down there, develops his game a little bit more, and then then they bring him up when they need him the most. Yeah, and it's it's a curious thing because it only feels like it's a matter of time until injuries might rear their ugly head. And then, you know, all of a sudden, you know, you go from having a guy like Morgan Frost sitting on the sidelines for Philadelphia to suddenly, you know, digging much deeper into Lehigh Valley as this seems to be the yearly case in Philadelphia there for the injury front, as it so often seems. But, um, yeah, I think it's a great start for him. It's just one of those things that's going to be interesting to see how sustainable it is. And so last for me, I was tempted to go and be biased and go towards Hershey, but I figured I'd give somebody else the platform for this week here. Um, Joshua Waugh from the Laval Rocket. 11 points. Guys, 11 points. This guy had a five-point game on the 20th of October. He had three goals and two assists. He has 11 points, five goals and six assists. So far this season, I mean, I don't know if there's anybody you could think of that has more points than this guy does. And it's his rookie season, too. I mean, he played one game in the postseason, uh, I believe, a year ago or earlier this spring, if I'm not mistaken. And, uh, you know, the talk about hitting the ice flying uh, for the season for him. I, I don't know that you see those kinds of numbers from a rookie this early on. I mean, it'll be crazy to see how sustainable it is, possibly. But um, I was just I was wowed by that stat when it was brought to my attention here. Two point two points per game. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Are you kidding me? As if Laval isn't a fun enough place to go watch a hockey game in and of itself. Having a player like that, I hope he stays with them all season because this could be fun. What's what boggles my mind about them though is. 
he's had those kind of numbers, yet they're in sixth place in the division. But it's so early. Like, you lose it, one it game is, and you go from first to last. It, it, that I'll give you that. But still, at the same time, it's like it, you're still putting up numbers and you still – and you're in that position. It just it shows a lot about the player. Is more of what I'm saying. It shows that it shows a lot of grit, a lot of determination. And it says it says to him, you know what? I don't care that we're losing. I'm still going to score five goals. That is carrying right there, which is fantastic to see. So that, that was kind of the that was the stat that really stuck out to me. Just kind of going over some things here earlier this week. But we will move along here to um, our regular segment section where we'll each kind of have our talking point that we'll kind of share and we'll kind of go around the table with here a little bit. So I will start us off here um, early on. We're going to go in alphabetical order here, I suppose, uh, for this week. And so my kind of thinking was that, guys, we're like a month away from Thanksgiving here in the United States. And, you know, when you think of Thanksgiving, now it's obviously very early. I don't even know if you guys have your plans sorted out yet. I really don't at this point. Um, just a light idea at this point. But Thanksgiving, you think of getting everybody that you're close with, sometimes that you like, sometimes that you don't like, and you get them close and you spend a lot of time with them over that weekend. But for the Hershey Bears, and I think for a couple of teams around the AHL, they're kind of getting Thanksgiving a month in advance here, it seems like, because... For the Bears, they're embarking on this stretch. It started this on Sunday where they're playing three teams over a span of 13 games in the Atlantic Division. So it's some of the names that you'd expect to see. They're playing Lehigh Valley and they're playing Wilkes-Barre a number of times in that stretch. But somehow they are also getting the Bridgeport Islanders. They only play six games against them all season. They're playing four of them in this stretch. What? So... You know, talk about seeing somebody for a little bit and then, you know, okay, you know, see you next year type of thing. You know, it's it's not very much after a certain point here. But I, I don't think that, you know, outside of maybe the pandemic season, I don't think I've ever seen quite a stretch like this where it's just, you know, you're getting your, your friends close and your enemies closer in a sense to kind of embark on this kind of stretch with. This makes zero sense to me. Because it's not like they're an isolated team. I mean, I just looked, and Iowa, who you can argue is one of the most isolated teams, has at least four. I think I believe it is exactly four different opponents between now and Thanksgiving. Teams like Texas and Colorado, which are just as, if not even more, isolated than Iowa, have significantly more. I believe they were like six, six or seven opponents. What? <laughs> what is this? I am like perplexed. I will say, Corey, I I'm looking at the schedule right now. The Thunderbirds are in the same boat as you. They are playing Providence, Belleville, Lehigh Valley, Bridgeport, and Hartford. And maybe one or two against Utica. I I don't understand it either. It's like you're condensing all of your easy teams in early in the season and then the second half of the season, it's like, here you go, have fun, run the fields. It's like I, you don't, un- I don't understand it. Because it's almost unfair to teams like your monsters, Dino, where yeah. you got to travel more, or teams like Texas and Iowa, or God forbid, Calgary. 
Has to go so, all the way to Texas. Here's Cleveland's schedule coming up. You got back to back this coming weekend on the road, Grand Rapids, Chicago. Then Grand Rapids at home, Providence home, home, back to back, away at Belleville for two games, home versus Rochester, two games, and then away in Charlotte for two games. And then the day after Thanksgiving, they have home have a day break and then away both versus the Marlies. They're going to be a little all over the place, but they do have that nice home stand. So that helps a little. Well, not really. It's kind of home away, home away, home away, but whatever. It's, I don't understand it. Why? Who, who made that decision to let the Atlantic teams just, here's like three people go. (laughs) I think we need to talk to Scott Allison again. I need to talk to whoever's in charge of scheduling for the league. Well, the, the wild part is that, you know, for Hershey's sense is that they go from playing these same three teams and then they invite the Iowa Wild over for the first time ever um, in, at the end of November. And then so it's super funny because then, you know, to get out of the month of November, guess who they had to play one more time? They had to play Wilkes-Barre one more time. And, you know, and then... In the majority of December, they're free of those teams. You know, they won't see most of those teams for the majority of that month, I believe. So it's just this odd scheduling quirk where suddenly, you know, you're going from, you know, a couple of teams. I know, like, the thing that happens every year in Hershey is that they say, we don't have enough variety of teams. Like, let's see some Western Conference teams. And that's just up to, you know, the discretion of the team to to play. It is nice to get a team like Iowa. You know, we're going to see former Bear Kale Kessie. Uh, back of the giant center type of thing is how that game's being advertised a little bit too. But it's just a wild thing to me that, you know, suddenly we go on these big stretches where it's like, you know, we're playing these same three teams, you know, what year is it type of thing. Uh, just a little scheduling quirk that I noted in a couple of different um, situations there that so I thought was interesting to talk about. Are the Iowa wild, the random second cousin that was found on, 23andMe or Ancestry DNA that they said, you know, I didn't know they existed, but come to find out they live not too far away. Let's invite them just in case. Oh, crap. They accepted. They seem oh, to be crap, the team that don't have plans. <laughs> they showed up on your doorstep and say, hey, it's me, your long lost, you know, relative I'm back type of thing, you know, so it's it's. It's definitely a good way to put it, I think, for this we for, for, found, for the Thanksgiving analogy. We found out you won the Calder Cup. We really want to see it. Fair point. Uh, like like Spaceballs, <laughs> your father's brother's mother's sister's roommate. It's like, Ooh. what? How, it's how, very true. how does this make sense? <laughs> it's more convoluted than the uh, shapes in my background. Or the map in mine. I don't even want to talk about the map in yours. <laughs> it's well, so, well, yeah, that's just, wow. <laughs> well, I guess we'll segue right along into uh, our next, next segment here, which is going to be our special guest that we're going to hop to here in a second. But before we do that, I'm going to share a little bit more about our sponsor document doctors. Is your business growing beyond the four walls of your office? As businesses grow, so do the challenges of keeping people trained, safe, and supported. Document Doctors, a proud sponsor of the Calder's Calling podcast and AHL News Now, offers affordable solutions to help optimize your business and keep the good times rolling. They offer content-focused solutions such as training document creation, 
uh, back office process optimization, policy and procedure development, as well as much more. Support the podcast and AHL News Now by visiting them at documentdoctorsllc.com. And don't forget to mention us when talking to their team and support small businesses today. So we're going to move along to our special guest. We can finally lift the lid on this one. All right. Our special guest this week is a trailblazer at the NHL and AHL levels as the first Australian-born player at both levels as well as the first Australian to play in Europe. He is one of 48 people to play in 300 career games for the Hershey Bears and is off to a hot start with the Springfield Thunderbirds this season. He's also a Stanley Cup champion as part of the Washington Capitals. We're happy to be joined by Nathan Walker this week. Hey, guys. How are we doing? Hello, Nathan. Great, Nathan. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks yeah, for joining no us, Nathan. Have me on. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Nathan, I, I had to bring this one up because uh, when people talk about your story making it to the NHL, they always kind of skip over one important spot to me, at least, which was your time in the AHL. And I bring this up specifically because we are almost 10 years exactly to the day since you became the first Australian to score at the AHL level on October 27th, 2013. And I went to the liberty of had Dina uh, queue up a clip of that here as well, just to, you know, take a little trip down memory lane for the first time he scored it as a Hershey bear. And to, to kind of All right. We just see that nice breakaway there. And there you go. History made. <laughs> Yeah, that, uh, no, it was definitely something special. Um, yeah, I know the, the play kind of developed. I think the puck actually came off a stick and uh, squared it out to me and just kind of used that D-man as a screen and uh, was fortunate enough to get lucky with a, with a goal. Yeah, what what comes to mind to you when you think back to those early years with Hershey? I mean, I know it was the, you know, we remember going to Washington and all that sort of stuff, but, you know, it was your first professional contract was with Hershey and, you know, kind of having that distinction of, you know, some history of being part of the 300 games played club there, which is a, an elusive list for sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think at the time you don't really think much about it. You know, you just, just trying to make a name for yourself and, and come into the league. So, um, no, it was, it was great. I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for Hershey, Hershey giving me that chance. And, um, yeah, I mean, looking back at it now, it's, you know, it, it has been a long time and, uh, like I said, I'm just grateful that I, uh, you know, had a chance to play for such a prestigious organization in Hershey. Absolutely. And I noticed this when I was doing some research ahead of our, our uh, interview here that you were teammates and line mates with Mike Vecchioni during your, the uh, 2019-20 season in San Antonio. And so I, I figured that, you know, given that sort of history, that you probably weren't surprised to see him score the Game 7 overtime winner for the Calder Cup this past summer. Yeah, uh, you know, I was I was extremely happy for him. Uh, I was actually texting him when when it happened um, and throughout that kind of final series. And uh, you know, I'm I, like I said, I'm so happy for him and all my other old teammates and friends on that team. And um, I mean, he was he was a gamer when I played with him, and and that just goes to show. Now, speaking of your time in San Antonio, this is your third season playing under Drew Bannister, combined between San Antonio and Springfield. Two in Springfield, one in San Antonio, of course. You've had some ups and downs in those times, um, but as the Thunderbirds correspondent on the podcast, I got to ask you, how do you evaluate how you guys have started this year so far? Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously it's been a slow start. We're struggling to, to put the pucks in the net at the moment, but, uh, you know, thankfully it is early. So, we, you know, we got some ground that we need to make up and, um, you know, I think we just need to keep working at it and 
you know, hopefully we can string some wins together here this weekend coming up. So this weekend, you guys had your first three and three of the season. Um, we had a bit of a debate on the podcast last week about this. How do you feel about three and threes now that they're being kind of phased out of the league? Um, I mean, I think it's a good thing. I think it's, I think that third game is definitely tough, um, especially when you're on the road and you're traveling and you're not getting the right amount of sleep. It's, uh, it's definitely tough on the body, but, um, you know, it's just something that needs to be done. It's, you know, we, we can't really complain about it too much. You know, they're not going to change the schedule for us. So we, uh, you know, just got to kind of grind through it and, and, um, you know, string some wins together. Now I, fir- I firmly think that it's good training for the NHL. So now as someone who's played at both levels, do you think it's better training for the NHL at all? Uh, uh, yes and no. I mean, they're, they're not playing any three and threes in the NHL. So it's, you know, I, I guess you're kind of training for that back to back situation, but, uh, I mean, if you if you can come and play on that third game, then it you know shows that you're ready and you can stay in it uh, mentally and physically come that third game. Now, we'll just talk about your team right now. So before he was revealed as captain, Coach Banner described Matthew Peck as a consummate professional and someone who does things the right way. Now, he's obviously got some huge shoes to fill with Tommy Cross retiring. What kind of impressions have you gotten from him as a leader so far this season? Yeah, he's great. Um, you know, I, th- I think Benny hit the hit the nail on the head there, saying how professional he is. You know, he comes to work every day. Uh, he's got his work boots on. You know, he's 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 out there. He's working hard in practice, and uh, I think that's what you want from your, your captain of your team. So I'm just going to kind of look at your career as a whole here. So you've played in multiple leagues and countries and states throughout your entire career, from Czechia as a U18 to Youngstown, Ohio, Hershey, Pennsylvania, Washington, Edmonton, St. Louis, Utica, Springfield, San Antonio. Does one league team or city hold any significant special memories to you? If so, why? Um, to be honest, I think they all do. Uh, you know, I think going to different different countries and different cities, uh, you know, with, with my wife and now I've got two kids, it's, it's cool to look back and see kind of where you were at um, family wise, and then kind of, you know, how you're playing and everything. And I think every city, every city does hold a little special piece in, you know, in your heart and where you played. And, um, yeah, I think that's pretty much it. You know, it's fun to look back. Like my daughter was born in San Antonio. Um, you know, she had a chance to grow up in San Antonio for a few months. And then, um, in St. Louis, she was there for a bit, uh, and also Springfield too. So it's, it's nice to look back on those cities and kind of see, you know, what you've done and where you've been uh, with your family as well. So does it ever get old where, you know, you are in the Northern Hemisphere for winter time, essentially, and then whenever you're able to go back home to Australia, it's their winter time in our summertime. Does the cold ever get old to you? Um, not really. I mean, Australian winter time is pretty, it's still pretty nice. It's still 65, 70 degrees. So it's, oh, nice. it's pretty comfortable. Um, and we, you know, we enjoy the snow and the kids love the snow as well. So I don't think uh, we don't have too many issues going from winter to winter. Now, Dita was talking about all the cities that you've been in. Were you aware at all when you signed with Edmonton or Edmonton claimed you off waivers that you were described as the Aussie Gretzky? Uh, I I did see that floating around every now and then. Yeah. What did that, what did that make you think? Uh, To be honest, nothing, nothing too crazy. Um, You know, I'm just looking at it as I'm another player in the, in the world playing the game he loves. And I just, you know, happened to be from Australia and uh, you know, that, that, that was pretty much it. 
So to kind of wrap up our interview here, I do want to give a quick nod to the gear that Corey is sporting here. Can you just share a little bit about the brand that you've created and what inspired you to venture out and launch it? Yeah, during that COVID time, uh, when we're back home and the season didn't start up till January or February or so, um, you know, my wife and I just decided to make a clothing a clothing line and just kind of see how it went and, and go from there. There's nothing too nothing too crazy about it. It's mostly um, you know mostly black, white, and, and greys. Um, so there's nothing too nothing too funky going on. Um, but yeah, we just decided to give it a crack and kind of see see how we went with it, and uh, seems we're doing pretty well. I have to say, I love the sweatshirt. <laughs> appreciate it thank you i was going to ask is that a springfield isotopes this sweatshirt is, there yeah, yeah we yeah nice. uh, i guess they had it last year so i um i snagged one of them up <laughs> i don't blame you i love that that <laughs> whole like specialty rebrand and i think that's something that's really fun and unique about the ahl is they do those more fun rebrands do i mean do the players get excited about those at all some of the more uh fun specialty jerseys or is it just kind of well it's another game we're going to approach it the same way there's nothing much for us to really get excited about yeah oh i mean you you do approach it as you know it, it is another game but uh you know i, I think putting on a, a funky looking jersey is always always fun too and um you know we, we always get the kind of the cool gear to go with it as well which you know which makes it nice how nice is it to give those jerseys to the fans after the game and they've kind of won that signed jersey? Yeah, it's great. I mean, to know that you have the support of uh, of your fans and, um, you know, people actually wanting to jersey. And then, you know, during the anthem, you, you look around, you can see a couple of jerseys floating around that you would have worn. And, um, you know, you, you see the people wearing them and, you know, the bond that you kind of form between the fans and the players. Um, you know, I think that's really special. And I think that goes a long way as well. Do you have a favorite specialty jersey that you've worn in the past? Oh, I don't know. The, the ones in Hershey were pretty cool. The old school ones that we would kind of, you know, do up and, and make, you know, so-called old school with new school. Um, they were pretty cool. But then obviously all the other specialty jerseys are really nice too that uh, Springfield puts on as well. And um, last question here. So this is just something that I like to try to, you know, uh, Pick your brain just a little bit, but if you could be on a line with any hockey player, past or present, doesn't have to be an NHLer, could just be somebody you know from your childhood or something. If you could be on a line with any one player right now, who would it be? Oh, I'd probably Yager. I think um, you know when I was real young, he was a guy that you know kind of I had all the the videos of and, and was watching him. Um, but I mean, there's so many great players out there. You know, it, it'd be tough. You'd want to get a shift in with everyone, but. Uh, yeah, I think I think going over to Czech and playing in Czech and seeing you know how much of a of an impact on the on the hockey world over in Czech that he had, um, you know, I think I think that'd be pretty cool. That's awesome. Well, Nate, thanks for joining us. We'll let you go, but uh, we appreciate you have uh, joining us for a couple of minutes here, and uh, best of luck this season. Yeah, no problem. Appreciate it. Love the uh, love the shirt and the hat too. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate it. Well, it's, it's yours. So, I mean, you know, you guys were kind enough to send me, I actually only ordered the shirt. You guys were kind enough to send me the shirt and the hat. So I really appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, no, no problem at all. No problem. All right. Thank you so much, Nation. Definitely appreciate your time. Best of luck the rest of the way. Yeah, no problem, guys. Thanks for having me. All right. And we will move right along here and give it over to Dina for her segment for this week. Okay. So this, I'm basically, basically, Wow. Okay. Let me try that again. 
Hold on a second. So I'm calling this segment our all-too-early, super-knee-jerk overreaction predictions or guesses as to who we think are going to be representing their team in San Jose at the All-Star Classic for this season. So I'm going to get, of course, my picks, but also Xander and Corey. So the rules for this even though it is super knee jerk, you know, I am going to set a few ground rules. So you can only have one pick per division. You're going to pick once for each position. So one forward, one defenseman, one goalie. You can also not pick someone who has already been picked. So how do you want to choose who goes? Are we going to do some rock, paper, scissors here real quick? First of all, you know what? I'll just be the gentleman and say Lydie's first. Oh, I second that. Okay, so you two can do rock, paper, scissors for a second. All right, sounds good. All right, ready? One, two, three, shoot. Uh, Scissors, scissors. All right. Okay, ready? One, two, three, shoot. We got rock, and is that paper I Sorry, see? It was, it was paper, yeah. Paper. All right, all right. You're all right. Off camera. So Corey goes. So is second. it from our team, or is it from the it league? It is the league in general. You can only pick one player per division. So, like, if you pick a goaltender from the Atlantic, whenever you pick your forward and defenseman, neither one can be from the Atlantic. You have to oh, pick no. from one of the three remaining divisions. So I'm not going to go and take like the top player for each, you know, one here. Um, because I could easily just say, okay, like Joshua Wah and then Louis Domingue, you know, I'm not going to do that because I try to be a little bit nicer. But I personally would like to see. So from the north, my forward pick is going to be Nick Robertson from the Toronto Marlies. I feel like he has been a highly touted prospect um, for the Toronto Maple Leaf system, but there's been a lot of injuries and other factors that have kind of hindered him from being his highest potential. So I'd like to see him represent his team as such a special event and really just kind of have the spotlight shown on him in a very positive light. For defensemen, I am going to go with, who am I going to choose here? Okay, so for the hometown team, I'm going to go out to the Pacific Division, looking at the San Jose Barracuda, and do Leon Gavanka. He is their top-scoring defenseman so far. He's, you know, not really a veteran, but, you know, he's a solid defender. He's been, he spent the last four seasons with the Manitoba Moose. Pretty high point getter. Let's let him have the spotlight in San Jose. And then finally, for goaltenders, I am going to look. So I've got Central and Atlantic. I'm not going to be mean and pick a Hartford goaltender. I could be mean and pick a Hartford goaltender, but I won't. Um, honestly, 
I man, well, you and, could pick one, and I could pick the other. <laughs> see, I'm trying to That's think of of goaltenders with personality, which a lot of goaltenders do have personality. Because I'm thinking of last year in Laval, where you had a couple goaltenders doing the wave along with the fans while they were out on the ice. It was the best thing to watch. So, you know what? Let's throw Keith Kincaid from the Chicago Wolves in there. He's got personality for days. And I just love Keith Kincaid. Like I said, this is knee-jerk reaction. Why? I'm thinking, per- what? What? Stole my pick. Oh, okay. <laughs> You've got two in Hartford. Unless you have a Hartford pick I'm, for I'm something tr- else. I'm trying but- to think outside the box. So, yes, Keith, my three, Keith Kincaid, a goaltender, and then my skaters will be Nick Robertson and Leon Gavanka. Corey. Man, you made this difficult by throwing this divisions thing in because I'm, I am still kind of trying to school myself on the fly of uh, some of the top teams, you know, so far, at least in like the North divisions kind of been a little bit uh, lost on me so far, but I, I will start off you. with I will start with my forwards forward selection. And it's a guy that Hershey fans know near and dear, although he's not in Hershey anymore. And that is forward Mason Morelli of the Henderson Silver Knights. I I have been on the Mason Morelli hype train essentially ever since it arrived to Hershey back during the 2021 season. And he's only gotten better, better and better and better. He was an essential part. You know, I I felt like perhaps the biggest loss the Bears had over the summer, but you can only be happy for a guy that has finally earned an NHL contract with the Vegas Golden Knights after, you know, going undrafted, playing through college, you know, just kind of fighting for every contract, every job he's ever had so far, right? He's off to a flying start over in Henderson. I believe six points so far for Mason Morelli. Uh, through just, you know, a couple of games for them, I think, so far. He's a rock star out there. I mean, they were, you know, showing him, you know, boatloads on their social media where he was winning, you know, the two-touch soccer games before, uh, during the preseason, scoring goals, doing post-game interviews, the whole nine yards. He's really turned into what, in my opinion, is an elite player at this level. And, you know, not only should he be contending for an NHL spot, but he also should be, in my mind, you know, be given that nod as an AHL all-star in my book. Now I want to kind of skip back on my defensive pick because I'm still kind of, you know, going back and forth between teams. Like I just haven't found one that screams me just yet. You know, Um, you would love Nick Blankenberg. I'm just saying you would love him. Okay. Okay. I I was about to say, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of blanking around here a little bit. So I guess that probably fits my pick perfectly, honestly, but I am just kind of looking at stats around the league of different players. Cause I want my defensemen to kind of come out of the North division, frankly. So I'll go with Nick Blankenberg. I mean, it's, he seems to be having a solid season, you know, uh, he's a rookie this year, if I'm not mistaken. I love the name too, honestly. I mean, he scored his first AHL goal, if I'm not mistaken, in um, Cleveland's last game on the 21st, if I'm reading this correctly, right? I believe that was the game. Yeah, it's... He's just... Seven shots. He is so likable. 
And he plays a lot larger than his 5'9", 178 would advertise. And it's it's just the player that you can't help but love. From Michigan, went to U of M, got signed by the Blue Jackets. I just, I love this it kid. Fits. It it really does. So thank you for choosing him on behalf of the entire Nick Blakenberg fan club that I'm that I follow quite religiously on Twitter because they're so much fun to follow. That's even better. You already. Him. He already has a fan club, and he's only you know four games into his AHL career. You can't beat that one. So that, that's a wholesome story. So I, I like that a lot. Yep. So lastly, and you knew I was going to come around to the Atlantic at some point, and by Atlantic I mean the Hershey Bears at some point. I want to see Hunter Shepard get the nod. You know, just continue to add to this his trophy case. He's got a Calder Cup, Calder Cup MVP. This is a guy that you know. He's earned every inch. He's actually set to make his NHL debut the day this podcast is going up on um, on Wednesday, believe it or not, with uh, Charlie Lindgren, the former Thunderbird backstop, uh, out injured, and the Caps going back-to-back. Uh, Shepard's getting the call to and a very difficult set to play against the New Jersey Devils in his NHL debut. Very proud of him. It's long overdue. He's a great guy. You know, one of those guys, he's been so decorated across his entire uh, career collegiately, you know, winning back-to-back NCAA titles. Probably could have gotten a third if the 1920 season hadn't gotten canned prematurely as it was. Um, you know, just a fantastic goaltender, incredibly athletic. You know, he's beloved in Hershey now as any goalie that wins the Calder Cup is. Um, and I think it would just be another notch in his belt. He's gotten off to a good start. You know, over this past weekend, you couldn't even tell that he had been sick the entire past weekend and unable to play because he just bounces back. He's that kind of athlete. So he is fantastic. And um, yeah, those are my three picks. Couldn't pick three better guys. Solid. All right. I'm going to start with a forward and I'm going to surprise you all. It is not Joshua Waugh. I feel like Joshua Waugh will be up in the NHL by the time the All-Star game rolls around and will thereby not be able to play in the game. I believe he'll be named to the All-Star game, but he will not be playing in it. So my pick for a forward this in the All-Star game coming out of the Texas Stars is Logan Stankoven. In five games, four of the Stars, four goals, three assists, seven points, and he's a rookie. Now, to add to that, he has a plus four rating as well. And he's a rookie. So this guy's capturing my heart pretty quickly. I feel like I've been hearing about him for years now. I the name does sound familiar. I don't I don't know where, I don't know why, but I think it's because I follow so many Texas Stars fans on my account. Plus, I've been seeing him at the Prospects Tournament up in Traverse City for at least a couple seasons, at least. So it just feels like it it's just be been that. like since he's been drafted in 2001 and wow, to 2021 that it just seems like everyone's just talking about this, this kid and he's, he's putting it up there. And then, speaking of putting it up there, for my defenseman, I'm going to go to the Western Conference in the Pacific with Jeremy Poirier from Calgary. One goal and six assists 
in the four games that he's played in with a plus one rating, uh, a 1.75 points per game average. And, and keep in mind, he's had nine shots on goal this year. And seven points, nine shots, that's nothing to sneeze at. And for my final pick. Hartford. Wrong. I am not going with a Hartford goalie. How? I I was nice and left them for you. I know. You can be as nice as you want, but I did discuss the the possibility of an injury up in New York. And I do think it's going to happen, unfortunately. Jonathan Quick has not looked as sharp, at least mentally, recently. And I don't know if he's going to last health-wise up in New York. So they're going to need reinforcements up there. Therefore, I'm going with Mads Sogard from Belleville. Solid pick. Three three games into the season. He's got a shutout. He's only allowed four goals on 86 shots. And to me, that is a little bit more impressive than Louis Domingue allowing two goals on 61 shots. And that is my three picks for All-Stars. That was so guard. I mean... You mean find a spot where he's not covering the net at any given time. Like I double dare you. Like I remember like when, so his one shutout was against the bears on opening night. And I remember walking away from that game saying, if they could find a spot to put the puck past him, you know, they would have by now type of thing. He is just, he is, he fills the net, man. There, there's, there's no angles the, when you're the facing man is him. Six, seven. And that is a tall, tall goalie and not to mention he was taken in the second round how often do you see a goalie be taken that early and how is he not up with ottawa is my question you know at this point because it takes goalies that long to fully develop but not just second round 37th overall exactly high second round you don't you don't see goalies go that early no. Unless they're something very special. Well, Vasilevsky is an exception. Vasilevsky was just, he was going to start from day one with Tampa no matter what. Did he go high? I, I'm thinking I, he went high. I want to say he did. I know Marc-Andre Fleury went super high. Vasilevsky was he, he like was first overall? In, I don't remember, but Vasilevsky was drafted 19th overall. Okay, so first round. Yep. And you were saying Flurry before? Yeah, I think he Flurry was first overall. Was overall, first overall. Yep. That's what I thought. So oh. I don't know why, um, but I just tried searching Mark Andre Flurry, and for some reason, it autofilled Mark Andre Flurry cheese. I don't know what that's about. Does he have his own <laughs> cheese brand? I don't know, but that's what Google tried to, um, not Google, but Microsoft um, Bing. I don't know how I ended up on Bing, but I did. And it auto-filled it with cheese. I don't know why that is I, okay. Oh, yeah. This camp is listening here. We got your idea queued up for, for future <laughs> business venture, honestly. Oh, it's because. You know what? He is a legendary goaltender. I'm not even going to start saying 
why that's on there. Just because that's terrible that they're referring to him as a certain kind of cheese. And no. No. I, I don't no. even know, but okay. I, I was thinking in terms of his pads when he played in Pittsburgh, but he's not... I forgot I can only We can only say that that was the case in 2006 when the Bears beat Wilkes-Barre Scranton and Marc-Andre Fleury in five games, I believe it was, en route to the Calder Cup. That's the only time you can say that. It always comes back to Hershey. Ah. Especially when it comes to snacks. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Speaking of this week's sponsor, no. <laughs> we do not. If you own a snack company and want to sponsor us, we have a perfect segue for you now. Exactly. We'll move on. Xander, what do you have for us this week? Now, we discussed this in the first episode if you did listen we were talking a lot about chicago going independent this season becoming the first independent team since 95 i believe i said 1994 95 season and my take on it at first when i didn't know too much about the situation about why they had gone independent now that i have a little bit more information on it i can understand the logic behind it i can understand they want to go independent so that they're not just funneling everybody to carolina but the truth of the matter to me is they made a mistake i i don't think it was a good call going independent they need those reinforcements of guys who are coming down on a conditioning loan they need the people who need more time to develop they need they can't just win in the ahl they need to have those guys go up build some self-esteem in the NHL. And I mean, look at the numbers that like I mentioned it before to you guys off the air, 11 goals against and 14 goals against this year. I mean, I know it's no cliche, but the team that scores more, more wins the game, but, and those numbers show it exactly 11, four, 14 against. And then Hartford too. I'll turn it back to one of my teams. Hartford, 16 goals and four goals against. They may be a bit of a funnel system to New York, but they're still finding ways to win. The biggest, the only reason why I'm saying but here is because these players are starting completely fresh like at least even in the the american hockey league you have some carryover from season to season so you have guys that have have at least been in the same organization together that have had a chance to get to know one another to form a bit of chemistry camaraderie however you want to want to word it these guys basically kind of hodgepodge got thrown together because it, they fit into mm-hmm. the veteran rules and all of that. I think there's a chance that we could see, you know, them put string together some wins once they have a chance to form that. But the question is, how long is that going to take? And will they do it quick enough? So especially in that central division is what I look at too, is we discussed it last week, the how 
well Grand Rapids started off in the season. And to me, it looks like you have to win, and you have to win fast in that division. And just in the West in general, you have to be on top of your game. Otherwise, somebody like San Diego is going to come out of nowhere and take your spot from you. Is there truly a division in the AHL where you could have, you know, a little bit of lead-in time like this? I don't think so. Not this early in the season, no. Yeah, it's like you got to start winning and winning now. It's... So the thing that kind of sticks out to me, just kind of looking at the st- stat line here, to me, I don't think it's as bad as, you know, doom and gloom kind of thing. I mean, the Wolves are, you know, they're 1-1-1-1. One, one, one one. You know, they've, to me, that kind of tells me that, you know, they've taken the games closely. You know, they've taken two to overtime. They've won one. You know, if they were 0-5 and, and their differential was, you know, 25 to nothing in terms of, you know, they allowed 25 goals and they hadn't scored, you know, more than five, then I'd be more concerned about it just because it's, you know, I I don't know about you guys. I played enough adult league hockey and I was once that team where we did not have enough good skaters. We did not, you know, the quality level was completely different from our opponents and we got shellacked every game like 15 or, you know, 10, 15. I'm kind of putting myself out a little bit here, but you know, uh, we've slowly come around to become a better team since then. Um, but to Dina's point, you know, we had to spend some time around each other to get to know each other, you know, kind of fine line combinations, kind of trim the the right players out. I don't know that I see this quite as much as that kind of situation, other than it's just more of a wild card to me at this point. I mean, it's to me, it still feels too early to kind of write it off and say it's a total mistake versus saying like, oh, you know, I, I just would like to see a little bit more of them after a couple of months to assess it. Like we were talking about off the air a little bit about Spencer Carberry and the Washington Capitals. And I said, when, you know, he was Hershey's coach, they accurately pointed out on, on the air here that it took that Hershey bears team a long time after Christmas, even to really start finding their way and winning. And when they did, they won big and then they rolled it up into a playoff appearance type of thing. So it, it works. It unfolds for every team a little bit differently. I'm just curious to see how it unfolds long term here, I think. First of all, I just want to say Rocco Grimaldi is doing Rocco Grimaldi things, leading the team with five points in four games. So good job, Rocco. Um, the only the real big concern I have about this is whenever teams have an ECHL and NHL affiliate, at least at some point, if their roster is not working. You have a few other pieces to kind of pull from and say, oh, okay, the, this guy up here is waiver exempt. We need an infusion of this talent to send him down, put him on the top line instead of, you know, doing fourth line minutes in the big system, or let's move some of these guys that are really excelling in the ECHL up. You know, they can kind of tinker with this. Chicago has what they have and that's it. There's no room for that kind of uh piecemealing you know of of rosters but they have some really strong players too it's just i'm hoping it's just a, a chemistry thing or it could just be you know the players that they were able to get maybe just don't work together i don't know it's there's, time will tell there's also the whole there's no oh, this guy didn't make Carolina's roster, or this guy didn't make this team's roster. It's, oh, well, he didn't make Carolina's roster, so 
I guess we'll send him to Syracuse. Or, uh, I guess we'll send him to Springfield. Or, maybe we'll send him to this team. And it's, it's, they're not getting that camaraderie with the players in Chicago. They're where they say, well, I played with this guy in the AHL, and now they're bringing him up. It's more of, I played with this guy, but now he's playing for another team. It it can mess with someone's head, in my opinion. Yeah, it's just going to be an interesting case study all season long to see how this all plays out. Because we can just guess, you know, what the issue is, or it could just be as just a team trying to figure itself out through the first three or four games of a season, which a lot of teams, you know, I shouldn't say a lot, but quite a few teams are having issues with that. Like the Utica Comets are 0-1-2. and They have some pieces that have been there for a while. Milwaukee's 1-1. and They've only played two games. Coachella, you know, is 1-1 and through their first two games. It's, you never know what's going to happen by the end of the season. And I am not even going to venture, but it could be worse. They could be under 500. They could be the Iowa wild at one in three and a 0.25 points percentage. Sorry, Iowa. That's what happens when you're in the middle of the country though. And everybody has to come to you or you have to go to them. Long nights on the bus. 100%. Well, that'll do it for this week's edition of the Calder's Calling podcast. If you'd like to check out our written coverage of the AHL, please visit us at ahlnewsnow.com. You can follow us on Twitter at ahlnewsnow. Uh, please also subscribe and rate the podcast. Share it with friends, family, and coworkers. I know I'll be doing that since we talked to Nathan Walker. Um, finally, I'd like to extend a final thank you to our sponsor, Document Doctors. And until next week, Enjoy this weekend of AHL hockey, and we will talk to you next week. I'll do it for this week's edition of the Calder's Calling Calling. Someone put in a note there. That was terrible. I fumbled that so badly. From the transition to me, like, calling it the folders falling. (laughs) You're good. There's one for the blooper reel. Blooper reel material right there, I think. (laughs) And also for the end reel, I have to bring this back from last week. Corey, we have to ask you, if you were to play hockey oh yeah if we were to do the calder's calling like beer league team are you good at face-offs can you take face-offs oh gosh i was just having this conversation with my adult league team i stink at face-offs no No. so i do do them for my well my team at times so i can do it but it's just like it's one of those things i have no prior experience with it and they moved me from center to right wing recently as a result of that. All right, well, so. here's, the, here's the question. Are you decent enough to win an occasional face-off? Occasional, yes. All right, so at, we'd, be the, we'd be the penalty kill then. At least he's right. a forward because we decided that both Xander and Jay are our goalies. I'm a defenseman. Hey, because... I said I'd be a forward, just not a center. Okay, well, then, yeah. Okay, so we got our two forwards. We have... 
Jay and Xander, uh, well, Jay's going to be like the full-time goalie. Xander's forward, sometimes goalie. And then I'm defense, and I guess you'll be our second forward that does. We have our overtime squad. Yes. It's that's good because like forward is the only thing like I am not great at defense. I like it, but it's one of those things. I just don't have the the grips on it that I wish I did. So forward is perfect for me. Perfect. All right. Awesome. And 